Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gibby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC 265 is coming up this weekend, and that means we've got a heavyweight interim title fight, for whatever that's worth, between Surreal Gain and Derek Lewis. Whether or not you agree with it being made, it is going to happen this weekend, and it's probably going to be pretty darn fun to watch. Me and Dave will be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on the main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think is going to make your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, as always, I'm bringing you the interviews you've come to know and love. Interviews this week include Johnny Munoz and Jamie Simmons, who are fighting each other in their, their a fight that's being rebooked because they were supposed to fight each other earlier. We talk about preparing for each other twice, and we talk about, of, of course, separately, but we talk about them preparing for each other twice, as well as the injury that got Simmons out of that fight. So you're going to want to check out both of those interviews, and of course, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, but before we get to any of that great content, i got to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like YouTube for sports betting, so head on over to betterthan.vegas and browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on all kinds of different sports. Every sport imaginable available at Better Than Vegas. In fact, you can head on over there and check out my bonus pick of the week every single week. But of course, you have to follow the Top Turtle MMA page on betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. Alright, and joining me today is Johnny Munoz, who fights Jamie Simmons at UFC 265 on August 7th. So, Johnny, I, I want to start by talking about your UFC day. Obviously, it doesn't go the way you planned, but it, it is just the first loss in your professional career. And I, I wanted to ask you, you know, getting back to the gym after that, what, what was sort of your mentality surrounding, you know, a, a tough part in any pro fighter's career? Yeah, man. I mean, for me, uh, I, I looked at it like this, like... You see a lot of guys, sometimes they'll take their first career loss. Uh, they'll crawl in a hole. They don't know how to rebound from it. They often don't come back the same. Uh, for me, I didn't, like, fall into any sort of depression or anything like that. Uh, I think that I have so much competitive experience through jiu-jitsu competition, sport jiu-jitsu. So I've taken losses in competition. Uh, obviously, it sucks. I hate losing. Like, deep down inside, I'm a sore loser. Uh, but I know how to handle that defeat, you know what I mean, and, and move on, hop back on the horse, and uh, live to ride another day. That's the mentality you have to have. Because if you just sit there and think about it, you're not going to grow. You need to be able to grow from it. Uh, what can you work better, watch the film? What can you have done better? Uh, and for me, that's what I've really done. That's the approach I took. And uh, I really don't feel any different than when I was undefeated or I lost, you know what I mean? It's not like... Uh, I know some people, though, they might lose the first time. They feel like there's pressure off them. Uh, for me, I don't feel like that either. I just feel like, hey, you know, it's just, uh, I'm just going to be a better fighter from it, and that's what I'm going to showcase August 7th. 
Well, I love to hear that. Now, you said you, you had felt like you had some stuff to work on going back to the gym and some stuff you wanted to shine up on. What, what was particularly, was there one thing or two things that you could share with us that you thought were things that you needed to work on? I think the, the, the main thing for me, I think, is just really believing in my ability uh, and all my skill sets in the cage. Uh, I truly believe if I could do what I do when I in the gym, I feel like I could beat anybody in the world. And uh, for me, it's just really believing in, in my skill sets, believing in my conditioning, and believe that I, I could beat these guys. And for me, that's what it really is. I mean, I believe in myself. I think I need to believe in my ability, and I feel that's what I really sat down and worked on. And uh, that's what I'm looking to show this fight. Well, we're looking forward to it. Now, I, I did want to talk about the layoff, too, in between, because you said, you know, you want to go back to the drawing board a little bit, work on some things. You've had a lot of time to do that. You know, your, your last fight happened in August of last year, you're going to fight in the first week of August again, a whole year off. Obviously, some of that because of opponents pulling out of fights and big layoffs and all kinds of other things. What has that been like for you to, to have a whole year away? Because I know you're a guy who likes to stay active. Yeah, so like uh, it was obviously a bummer for sure not being able to fight, uh, especially the last one in April uh, when Mazda and Uzman, I was originally on that card. That was a bummer, not being able to fight on that card. I was looking forward to that. Uh, and I wanted to stay active. I was ho- I was hoping to already have, like, two or three fights in already. Uh, but, you know, things happen for a reason. So I'm just looking at, hey, I can't change none of that. But I do feel things happen for a reason. And I feel like uh, that whole year off, like, I'm a completely different fighter than I was last year, a, lo- a lot better fighter. And uh, that's what I'm excited to show. And I can't wait to get in there, man. It's like, I'm... Like a like I'm a carnivore, just like ready to hunt, and that's what I want to do August seventh. Well, we're looking forward to it. Now, uh, you mentioned that that Masvidal Usman card, and that was a, a fight card that you were looking to be on, and, and were scheduled to be on against a couple of different opponents. One of them is Jamie Simmons, who who you are now scheduled to fight again. So I'm assuming you've done some sort of preparation for him now twice, right? Like he, he's pulled out with an injury once, and now you're scheduled to fight him again. What's it sort of been like getting ready for the same fighter twice without ever having really fought him? Yeah, I mean, the goal doesn't change. Obviously, it's just more time to study, do homework, and prepare and everything. But, I mean, the end goal doesn't change. It's just, I mean, he, he got hurt. I, you know, every time somebody gets hurt, you know, I, I wish him a speedy recovery. But, like, at the end of the day, we're in there fighting. There's two men fighting each other. It's going to get ugly. There's nothing pretty about it. And uh, I just feel like, you know, the, the longer uh, the longer we had to wait, the worse it's going to be for him. You know what I mean? It just gives me more time to prepare, tone my skills, and just be ready to put on a show that night and display the art of war in there. So for me, like, the, the goal don't change. I'm just going to truly display my skill set in there, and I'm going to uh, display a masterpiece. Well, I, I usually like to get a prediction out of all the fighters I interview. Do you care to wager a prediction on how you see this one ending on uh, August 7th? Yeah, you know, I, I predict the finish on him, whether it be by knockout submission. I kind of see both scenarios uh, playing out. But uh, I guess that's why everyone's going to have to tune in August 7th to watch it. Watch it. So I hope everyone checks it out because you're, you're not going to want to miss it. I certainly agree. Now, before I let you go, I did want to ask one more question because – I fancy myself an interviewer is kind of somebody who 
enjoys listening to stories about nicknames. And you, you've got a nickname that I, I don't think I've ever, first of all, never seen before. And second of all, don't really know what it means. Do you care to share with us where you got the nickname uh, Kid Kvenbo? Yes, Kid Kvenbo. Uh, yeah, so it's definitely unique. So the nickname, it comes from my dad's side of the family. So my dad was born John Munoz, who's adopted. Uh, you know, his parents split up, and then uh, his mom married uh, Greg Kvenbo. So my dad got adopted, became Kavimbo, John Kavimbo, and that's his uh, his name now. Uh, so you know, you know, you know, I truly respect. Uh, I guess my grandpa Greg, like for taking my dad in. You know, you you got to respect any man that's willing to go in a relationship and you know take another kid that's not even his kid and adopting him. You know, and uh, being able to provide for him. So you know, I I respect that out of him, and then. Uh, no, I'm Johnny Munoz. My last name's Munoz. I took the Mexican last name. But uh, at the time, like, I was like the younger grandkid on the Kavimbo side. So like Kid Kavimbo, uh, like people always call me Kid or stuff like that. So the, the, the two and two just kind of went together and uh, people were saying it. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, so yeah, that's where the Kavimbo came from. So it's just a way to honor that side of the family. Uh, even though I'm not blood related, but they are family. And uh, the, the Kabimbo name comes from Norway, so it's Norwegian. Uh, actually, had on my uh, and when I was fighting in the regional scene, I had the Norwegian flag on the, uh, within the Kabimbo name. Uh, so yeah, that's why I have that, and that's where the nickname comes from. So I think it's pretty unique, it's different. Yeah, well, I, I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing, man, and best of luck to you in the fight. Once again, fans, this is Johnny Munoz who fights Jamie Simmons at UFC 265. On August 7th, Johnny, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, tune in August 7th. Don't miss it. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Johnny Munoz. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I want to start here. The uh, Actually, it was the co-main event of this UFC 265 card. It canceled Amanda Nunes and her family. All has covid with Nunes off this card, how big of a blow do you think it is to the pay-per-view as a whole and probably the numbers we will see uh, come after this event? Uh, you know, I'm so glad you asked me this question, Gumby, because I'm chuckling to myself. <laughs> chuckling to myself. Because if you remember, Nunes was first announced for this card before the main event of Cyril Gain and Derek Lewis was announced. And I guess the UFC felt that, uh, you know, she cannot carry the pay-per-view on her own, and I'm sure they have the internal numbers to back that up. And that's why you got this interim heavyweight title fight for a current champion in Francis Naganu who is not injured or taking an, an extended period of time off. It's literally just to help pop a pay-per-view buy rate for the filthy casuals. And now with Noons off the card, I think it really suffers. I mean, I, you know, I just don't think this is a pay-per-view worthy quality card. To me, Cyril Gain is at this point, and I like him a lot, and he's a strong favorite here. But, you know, we have not gotten used to him per se as a pay-per-view headliner. And for him to be the pay-per-view headliner, he's just not there yet to me. He hasn't reached that echelon. And, it's just kind of ironic to me, I guess, that now with Nunes off the card, it doesn't feel as pay-per-view worthy. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Uh, Cyril Gain, is, he, he's really good, right? Like, there, there's no doubting that. What he did to Alexander Volkov is, is incredible. 
But in the same token, you're right. Like the casual fan probably doesn't know that name. Derek Lewis definitely helps a little bit, but the casual fan doesn't know that name. I also just have a theory that the whole reason this interim title fight was booked was because I think the UFC had had prior notice of Nunez's health. I, I think they had a suspicion or she was already diagnosed with COVID weeks ago and they just kept it under wraps until th- this seemed like it was already on the card. Right, because if we went into, you know, if, if there were no title fight on this week because this that, that fight did get pulled off and then they booked the interim title fight, it looks real sketchy. But since it's already on here, they're like, oh, this was already going to be a title fight anyway. No, it wasn't. Uh, I, I actually think they've known about this for a while. But yeah, and I agree with you. While giving this title fight some level of pretend legitimacy and however good Surreal Gain is, I, I do think the numbers suffer pretty heavily. Yep, I'm, I'm with you right there. And I think it's also very ironic that Glover versus Jan got moved to a free pay-per-view. And obviously, it wasn't necessarily because of who was fighting. It's just the way that things worked out with that card being in Abu Dhabi and at the weird hour of the night. But to me, you know, I, I this is just me because of the Glover story and how hard he's worked to get back to that title and the fact that, you know, it is a legitimate title. Jan is the legitimate 205 champion. I could see myself parting with money for that card as opposed to this one, but just not the way it worked out, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you, too. Um, although I will say this, the, the undercard on this one has definitely, like the, the other fights on the pay-per-view, as we're going to talk about in a second, are, are definitely pay-per-view quality fights. I, I haven't looked too closely at that Jan Glover card yet, but this one, you know, we're going to talk about the, the new co-main event and the fight that's going to be third from the top. And I think they're crazy good fights. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, I hate when we even have to, like, weigh these things out because, um, you know, it, it's fighting. We're all going to watch it. It's just a question of, like, what do you pay for? What don't you pay for? I really do hope one day, and I know it'll probably not happen, and it's not a tangent we want to go on now, but if the UFC ever went to that WWE network model where it's just like, here's a subscription fee, it gets you every fight, we don't have to worry about streaming this and illegally streaming that and paying $65 for this. Like, UFC, you have me. I'm a fan for life. Take my fucking money, but you're not getting a thousand dollars a year out of me for pay-per-view. And I think that goes for most people. By the way, that, uh, 267, which is going to be free, it, it's got some firefights on it too, obviously. You got Islam Makiachev and RDA and then Aljo and Piotr Jan. Oh, so yeah, that's, 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 a, that's even a better one then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the return of Cosmat Chimiev, if you're a big fan of his. But, hey, we've talked about it enough. Let's actually get into it. It's our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, Parlays for UFC 265, headlined by Cyril Gain versus Derek Lewis. Gumby, who sponsors this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? This edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by my bookie. In the world of sports, the offseason is a time to relax and regroup after a hard-fought season. But playing with my bookie gives you the choice to decide when your season begins and ends at mybookie.ag you can bet on hundreds of games and leagues from around the world whether it's a game day parlay or a long shot winner mybookie's got you covered use pregame props or bet the game live to shift the odds in your favor and always come out on top and not only does mybookie host an exclusive 
sports betting contest that you can't find with any other book, but the bonuses are insane. If you sign up with my bookie and use our promo code TOPTURTLE, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus money when you make your first deposit. That's 1000 bucks in extra cash when you make your first deposit with mybookie.ag using promo code TOPTURTLE. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. All right, so my bookie, who we love, is giving odds on this fight at zero gain, a minus 350 favorite to Derek Lewis, a plus 275 dog. Uh, you know, I have to agree with those odds, although Lewis, it, especially if it goes down into some sort of wild slugfest, is always the livest of live dogs. He's a live, 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 live dog who seemingly grappling does not work against him. And we have seen Cyril gain with a submission, even though his background is way more that of a striker. But, um, you know, I, I think those odds are correct, but it's with the caveat that Derek Lewis is always a live, 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 live dog. And it's interesting with Derek Lewis because back in uh, late 2018, early 2019, he kind of hit the skids. He had a title fight against Daniel Cormier, lost via rear naked choke in the second round. Cormier, his grappling certainly worked against Derek Lewis. Uh, Lewis came back and then got TKO'd by Junior Dos Santos, one of his last high-profile wins. But then since that time, he's reeled off four fights in a row, winning uh, by split decision over Blagov Ivanov, uh, beat Alir Latifi in a move up to heavyweight, uh, beat uh, Alexi Olenek via TKO, and is coming off a massive KO victory over Curtis Blades. Cyril Gain, uh, his burst onto the scene, um, you know, I think he's one of the more exciting prospects we've seen at heavyweight in a long time, a division that always seems to, you know, be lacking in the prospect department. Sometimes you get someone who comes over from like a Russian league, but they're, you know, age 35 by the time they get to the UFC. Cyril Gain uh, is himself 31, but that's like being, you know, 16 in normal person years when it comes to being a heavyweight. And he's nine and zero as a pro uh, since coming to the UFC, he is six and zero. And he's coming off a big win over Alexander Volkov, the unanimous decision, beat Josinho Roizenstrick before that, beat the aforementioned Junior Dos Santos via TKO before that, wins over Tanner Bosser, Rafael Pessoa. Very exciting fighter. Who you got? I'm going with Gain in this one, mostly just because, you know, you mentioned uh, Derek Lewis, always game, a live dog in every fight, especially if it turns into a firefight. And my problem here is that everybody he's beat during this recent run can be goaded into a firefight or close quarters. You know, like he he, he goaded Alexander Volkov into it in, in the late part of that fight. He, you know, he, Jair Rosenstruck is looking for that kind of fight. Uh, Curtis Blades has to get close to you in order to shoot a takedown. Like all of those people have to be up and close to you and have to get in there and slug with you. Sorokin has shown that he doesn't have to do that. He, he can just beat you from the outside, and he's perfectly happy beating you from the outside by hitting you with 700 jabs and 35 leg kicks, you know, and that's good enough for him because he's going to outpoint you and make you look really stupid in the process because he's extremely technical, but he's also pretty safe. You know, he, he didn't get goaded into that kind of fight with Rosenstrike, uh, and I just don't think he's going to here with, with Derek Lewis either, and... Man, if you don't give Lewis the chance to get in real close and land that big blow, and I'm, I'm not saying he never will be, but if you don't do that, I, I mean, it's not like he's going to take you down or, or fight a distant striking battle with you. So, yeah, I, I like gaining this fight. I will say 
I still don't like the odds at negative 350. I think, you know, they, the the bookmakers are putting him there for a reason. It does tempt you on Derek Lewis. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I would bet Surreal gain at that number, but I do think he's going to win this fight. I think you described that perfectly. That's exactly how I feel about it. And I do think the 275 Lewis odds are to entice Some filthy casuals. Uh, Let's go then to Pedro Munoz and Jose Aldo, uh, both betting off at minus 115. So Vegas doesn't know what to make of this fight. Curious to know what you want to make of this fight. But I will also just say to you that Jose Aldo, the one-time champion, is one in three in his last four fights, lost to Alexander Volkanovsky, Marlon Moraes, Piotr Jan, so the very tops of the Bantamweight division. Then fought Marlon Vera back in December of 2020 and got a unanimous decision win. So he has one win in a row here. We've certainly seen the better days of Jose Aldo. He's 34 now, and at those lighter weights, 34 might as well be, you know, 64. Pedro Munoz uh, also coming off a win over Jimmy Rivera, but lost to Frankie Edgar and Aljamain Sterling before that. Had a win over Cody Garbrandt and Brian Caraway before that. So three and two in his last five. His loss is also to the tops of the division. So very interesting fight. What do you make of it? So first of all, I think it's always funny when people break down this fight and start talking about Jose Aldo's age. Do you know how much older than than Pedro Munoz he is? Two two days. Two days, dude. Two days older than Pedro Munoz. Because sneakily, Pedro Munoz is also not a young a spring chicken. So uh, yeah, like Jose Aldo definitely has more miles on the tire, though, right? In, in like I, I was. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's what I was going to say is that it's just more miles, more championship rounds. Yeah, I mean, I mean, fighting eight. Frankie Edgar twice, despite the fact he came out on top in both of those fights, takes years off of your life. But here's the other thing I'll say about Jose Aldo, and I don't love him at Bantamweight. I liked him way better at Featherweight, despite the fact he's, he's not going to beat Volkanovski or, or Holloway. I actually think he's got an advantage in this fight. Um, you know, Pedro Munoz likes to go in and slug. And if you look at the other guys who have sort of beat Jose Aldo in that, that bad run when he started at Bantamweight, none of, none of those guys are, are really guys who are going to let him strike with them. And, and I think Pedro Munoz is going to do that, right? Pedro Munoz isn't going to take down Jose Aldo. I, I think he's going to stand and trade with him. And if he does... Man, I, I really liked how Aldo looked against Marlon Vera, right? Like, he didn't let Marlon Vera even remotely into that fight. He peppered him with shots. And granted, Marlon Vera is not Pedro Munoz, but it gave me enough to feel like I, I really think Jose Aldo probably puts it on uh, Pedro Munoz here on the feet, as long as he doesn't get hit with that big right hand that uh, that Munoz dropped Cody Garbrin with. I, I think he probably takes this here. Yeah, I I like where your head's at on that one. I myself uh, am going to put in my pick for Munoz. It's a very close fight. Uh, like I said, I think we've seen the, the last of the great Jose Aldo, and now we're just dealing with a pretty good Jose Aldo. Let's go to Vicente Luke. He's minus 120, and Michael Chiesa, minus 110. Uh, I'm a huge Chiesa fan. I'm picking him. Who are you picking? I'm picking Chiesa, too. And I can't believe I'm picking Chiesa because I've picked against him so many times. I actually picked against him when he was fighting Neil Magny. But, look, I think welterweight Chiesa is a lot different than people realize. I mean, he's 4-0. He Condit, Diego Sanchez, RDA, and now Neil Magny. I mean, like, look, Vicente Luque is probably going to go in there with heavier striking than Michael Chiesa. But Michael Chiesa showed in his last fight, 
he can actually out-wrestle some pretty talented wrestlers, right? Like, he out-wrestled Neil Magny, which is just incredible. And, you know, not for anything, Vicente Luque got taken down by Randy Brown and Nico Price and Derek Krantz. And, like, all of those guys have taken down Luque. So, why not Michael Chiesa? Why can Chiesa not take him down? The answer is, I think he can. And, and his top game is mean at welterweight. All right, let's get to uh, our dog of the week, and it's Song Yadong. Song Yadog, a plus 100 over Casey Kenny. Dog of the week, let's hear it. So first of all, I would say there are not a lot of dogs with plus numbers next to their name on this card. As a matter of fact, I think I saw there were seven or eight fights where there were negatives next to both people's names. And some of the other ones, like Derek Lewis, you know, like I'm just not thrilled about it. It's like an enticing number, but I don't really actually think they're going to win. So it was hard to pick a dog this week, but I'm going with Song Yadong, uh, mostly just because I think he's explosive enough to deal with sort of the grittiness of Casey Kenny. Uh, and I like Casey Kenny, but, you know, he's going to be outsized here because Song Dong is stronger than just about everybody in that division. So I, I kind of think Song Dong's going to bully him a little bit. It'll be interesting to see if his cardio holds up. But um, of the, the people with plus numbers next to their name, and there are so few of them, Song Dong's kind of the one I hate the least. <laughs> Our parlay to play, Manal Cape, uh, minus 195, and Alonzo Menafield, minus 245. So two on this card, at least, <laughs> pretty strong favorites, but pair them together, it'll get you plus 113 odds. Let's hear it. Yeah, I think they're two of the three biggest favorites, along with Surreal Gain. So I, I like them both mostly because I think O'Day Osborne uh, is going to have a really tough time with Manal Cape, as long as he comes out a little bit more active than he has in his last two fights. I, I think Manal Cape is like a top five uh, flyweight when he's being his aggressive self. So as long as he gets back to that, he should have no problem with Ode Osborne. Alonzo Menafield fighting Ed Herman. Uh, you know, Ed Herman got beat by Mike Rodriguez's last fight. I mean, he didn't technically, but he should have gotten beat by Mike Rodriguez despite that weird stoppage. Uh, and I think, look, Alonzo Menafield is just like a more powerful version of Mike Rodriguez here. He's got that like you know, a little bit less knees in the kickboxing, but really good kickboxing and powerful hands. I think he probably just knocks out Ed Herman here. So, yeah, I like those two paired together. And plus 113 on the return, especially on a card like this, is a pretty nice number. Boom. Well, that wraps up this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. We sure hope you enjoyed it. We'll be live tweeting during the fights at Top Turtle MMA. Please head on over to iTunes, uh, write a review. It helps keep the lights on in the Top Turtle podcast studio. Gumby, this show is a moving and a shaking. Where should we go next? And we're going to transition now to my interview with Jamie Simmons, who's getting ready for the fight with Johnny Munoz for a second time. But of course, before we get to that great interview, I got to remind you that it is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jiu-jitsu, it does not matter. You can log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more, all right in the palm of your hand. Get rid of that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and start using Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Jamie Simmons. All right, and joining me today is Jamie Simmons, who fights Johnny Munoz at UFC 265 on August 7th. So, Jamie, I obviously want to start talking about that fight as well. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about the fact that this fight was already scheduled. And it was scheduled for April, and you actually had to pull out with a rib injury. Can you tell us a little bit about that injury and, and sort of what the recovery was like for it? Yeah, I mean, the injury it was definitely an unfortunate event. 
Um, it happened like three weeks, two, three weeks before the fight. I was training, doing some jujitsu, and I was working with a, like this kid who's probably like 40, 50 pounds bigger than me. Um, we just caught ourselves in a weird angle, and like I folded over my ribs and like separated the cartilage from the bones there. Um, it's an injury that I've done a couple of times in my like career throughout like high school and college wrestling. Um, and I just did it again here a couple of weeks before the fight, which kind of sucked. But, uh, I mean, as for the recovery, uh, like I said, like I've done it before. I knew what to expect. It usually takes like a good month, month and a half to like fully heal. Um, I just took it easy, did, did some rehab, tried to maintain my weight so that, cause we both wanted that fight and we knew it was going to get rescheduled. So, try to keep my weight under control and just heal and, you know, prepare myself for this fight on August 7th. Well, that that makes a lot of sense. Now, I have to ask, too, is is that super frustrating after the debut you had? Because obviously, you know, the debut you had is a short notice. It's fighting a guy who's now headlining at the end of August in Giga Chikadze. It's not the way that most people want to, you know, come into the UFC for the first time. And, you know, now it's it's almost been a year. It's, it's been nine months since you fought was it frustrating to sort of not get your chance at a full training camp uh, at that time? Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, that it definitely was it was frustrating, you know. Like I said, I really wanted that fight. I was really looking forward to it. Um, you know, I had a couple of big things lined up for this summer that I was pretty excited to do after the fight, but I had to uh, skip a couple of things and push those things back because, you know, I got injured and my fight got postponed. Um I don't know, long story short, I was definitely, like, really looking forward to that fight being in April. Um, and it, it did kind of, like, hurt a little bit for that to get injured a couple weeks before the fight, for sure. And, and can you, you know, obviously, if you don't want to disclose, you don't have to, but it, could you share with us what some of those things that you had big plans for for the summer were? Uh, I mean, it was just, like, it was, the timing of that fight was, like, perfect. You know, one of I was the best man for uh, one of my buddies' weddings in Vegas. Um, so like I had a bachelor's party I was supposed to go to, um, but then I couldn't because I booked that fight and that fight or the bachelor's party was like, I don't even remember the exact date, but like a couple of weeks before or a couple of weeks after that fight. But, um, I had to skip that seeing as, um, you know, I got injured and we knew we were going to fight again in like July or August. So I just had to miss out on like some family events, uh, m one of my best friend's weddings in Vegas. You know, I mean, I got to go to the wedding, but I got to, I had to miss out on, like, I was planning the bachelor's party, but then I had to skip it. You know what I mean? Um, then I have another wedding that I had to skip, like, another bachelor's party for. And, you know what I mean? I obviously, like, take fighting as the number one priority, so that was an easy decision to make. But if the fight was in April, you know, I wouldn't have had to do any of that. That makes a lot of sense. Now, now let's, let's talk a little bit about this fight with Johnny Munoz, because... You're in a very unique position in this fight in that this is your second training camp for Johnny Munoz, right? Like you prepared for him back in April. Now you're preparing him for him in August. What are sort of your thoughts on this being, you know, probably the first time you've ever prepared for the same guy for this amount of time? Yeah, um, honestly, it was good. You know, it's like I got in a pretty good, nice training camp, you know, for that April fight. So I was like ready. I was prepared. I was ready to make the weight cut. We had trained for him. We got ready for him. You know, I got like a good idea of the things he's going to bring to the table and what I might and might not see while we're in the cage. And then, you know, getting injured, uh, you know, obviously pulled that back, but then it gave me, you know, obviously just like two, three more months to prepare for, you know, for the fight. Not so much Johnny Munez himself, you know, I mean, obviously going to be fighting him and seeing him in the cage, but, 
what it does is give me more opportunity to prepare myself, get in better shape, make the weight cut easier. You know what I mean? Uh, just be overall more fully prepared. Um, man, it, it was honestly good. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know. I like, like I say, it was an unfortunate event, but sometimes things happen for a reason. You know what I mean? It's like my weight's really good right now. Like we, like I said, we've had instead of two months to prepare for this man, we've had like four or five months, you know, and on, on the counter argument, he has, he, he's had the same, you know what I mean? So honestly, I'm expecting fireworks in this one. You know what I mean? It's like, we both, we both had plenty of time. There should be no excuses. You know what I mean? We both had plenty of time to, uh, get ready for the fight and for each other. Absolutely. And I, before we, we talk too much about the fight in the cage, too, I want to talk about outside the cage, too, because this fight was originally scheduled for a live audience with UFC uh, 261 Usman versus Masvidal. It gets rescheduled for 265, which also is a live audience with, with uh, a whole bunch of people in attendance. Was that a big thing for you? or Were you excited to be able to fight in front of a full crowd after fighting in the Apex? Oh, uh, yeah, I was, man. Like, you know what I mean? It, so much of the fight getting, you know what I mean? I'm signed to a four-fight contract, so I knew I was going to get more fights, you know what I mean? But, uh, like, I was really excited to be on the very first card back with the crowd, you know what I mean? I was really excited for that, and then I was like, I get injured, and they're like, all right, we're going to push this fight back again, and I'm like, fuck, you know what? If, you know what I mean? It would be cool, but it would still be awesome, but it kind of sucks if we get put back in the apex with no crowd, you know? I was really looking forward to that pay-per-view event with a live crowd, sold-out arena. Absolutely. Now, let's talk a little bit about in the cage, because you said you've had extra time to prepare for him. You feel like your weight's down. All that kind of stuff is going good. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit of how you see this fight going in the cage. What do you, what do you think this fight winds up looking like? Ah, uh, man, I don't want to, like, share too many details, but, um, you know what I mean? But we're both, like, world-class grapplers, you know, so you could see us grappling. Um, I'm, I'm assuming the fight will definitely hit the ground at some point, you know, um, I really like, you know what I mean? I think I'm going to have a speed advantage, a little bit of like an athleticism advantage. So, uh, honestly, like I'm, I'm content wherever this fight goes. If it's, if we're good, if we're standing banging for 15 minutes, we're standing and banging for 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Um, honestly, honestly, the best way I can explain it, it, it doesn't matter to me where this fight goes. I'm prepared for wherever. Well, we're looking forward to it. Now, before I let you go, I, I did want to ask, because I'm a, a guy who enjoys hearing a good story about a nickname, and, and you've got one of the better nicknames in all of MMA and the Afro Samurai. I was wondering if you could share with us the origin of that. Where, where'd that one come from? All right, man. I'm sure I'm sure most stories like this start the same way, but, you know, it's kind of a funny story, right? Like, <laughs> I've, I've grown up my whole life, you know, short hair, nice little taper on the side, good lining, you know, never been the kid to grow my hair out, right? And then, like, my last year of college, I grew, after wrestling, I grew my hair out just to be funny, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, maybe I'll get dressed. I just want to see what I look like with it. So I grew out my hair, and then I moved to Milwaukee, started training fighting, and I immediately get labeled the Afro Samurai. <laughs> so it's like I, I get stuck with the nickname. I get stuck. I pretty much became my brand, and I have to keep this hair now because that's my brand and my nickname. Even though I've never really cared to have long hair, you know what I mean. <laughs> if, if if it were on me, I would still have like short hair and a nice little taper. But you know what I mean. I, I do like the nickname the Afro Samurai, and I stuck with it. And I, you know what I mean. I'm I'm proud to own it. You know what I mean. 
Absolutely. Well, we love watching you in there, no matter what the haircut is. <laughs> it did, it did kind of come off like it kind of came off funny as a joke, you know, it was like an accidental thing and something I would have never guessed for myself, you know. But these nicknames, you know, we don't get to pick them here in Milwaukee. I love it. So I'm glad it's stuck, and we're looking forward to seeing you uh, on August 7th. Once again, fans, this is Jamie Simmons, who fights Johnny Munoz at UFC 265 on August 7th. Jamie, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, all right, my man. Thank you. Appreciate you. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in once again each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Better Than Vegas, and, of course, MyBookie.ag. Make sure to use promo code TOPTURTLE and get up to $1,000 in bonus cash in your MyBookie.ag account. And, of course, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TopTurtleMMA. We will be live tweeting during the events, as Shockwave Dave said earlier in the show. And you're always going to want to get the hot takes right there. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We'll catch you then.